Ronaldo vai partir para a bola, Ronaldo, Ronaldo vai partir, paradinha, atirou, golo! Já está! Já está! Já está! Hello and welcome to Portugal podcast number 105. Today we have just one item on the agenda, the Portuguese title race, which is proving to be one of the most thrilling finishes in years. To discuss it, we have our resident Portuguese journalist and coach, Tiago Estevan. Hi Tiago. Good morning guys. Tudo bem? Yeah, everything's alright. And we also welcome on board, uh, live from a Portuguese cafe, you may uh, be able to hear some sounds in the background, a special guest, Patrick Kendrick. Some of you, especially Benfica supporters, may recognise that name and or his voice because Patrick is the commentator on the English version of Benfica's in-house TV channel. Hi Patrick, thanks for coming on. How are you? Yeah, I'm great, thanks Tom. Tiago, nice to see you all, or hear you at least. <laughs> Good stuff, yeah. So, as Benfica are top, let's start with them. Uh, Patrick, I think we can agree that the Eagles, despite staying top for so long, they've looked pretty shaky in recent weeks. They've won five of their last six matches, Liga matches, just by a single goal, and often quite a late goal. Uh, what do you put the indifferent performances down to, Pat? Do you think it's, it's nervousness, it's tiredness, it's inexperience? They've got a, a lot of young players. Uh, what do you think? It's quite, it's quite hard to pinpoint um, what is really happening with Benfica at the moment. I mean, you can look at it one of two ways. On the one hand, you have some very positive uh, supporters, mainly the most partisan Benfica supporters, of which there are many, uh, who tend to say, well, as and when, uh, as and when you're top, as long as you're winning games, doesn't really matter how you're doing. So the mark of champions is a side that's able to collect three points even when they're not playing particularly well. But I think that should be the exception rather than the rule. I think in recent times it seems to be every game that Benfica is playing, it's a real battle, it's a real struggle, and there's a collective sigh of relief whenever they uh, eventually turn the result around. And turning the result around is exactly what they've had to do on a lot of occasions. I mean, we saw that very early goal, even at Stadio de Luz against Vitória de Setúbal. Um, they've, fallen, they've fallen behind against uh, Academica as well. And they're winning so many goals by narrow margins, as you said, Tom, that you just are slightly concerned from a Benfica perspective that sooner or later something's got to give. Yeah, do you think also maybe there's something in the psychology here? Because... Uh, of course, it's a saying that when you're, it's very difficult to get to the top, but it's more difficult to stay there. Do you think maybe it's a little bit easier from a psychological point of view, chasing rather than trying to defend the lead? I, th I think there's definitely some truth in that. I mean, we saw early on in the season when Benfica made a disastrous start, losing three of the first seven, including that heavy loss at home to uh, Sporting, which I think still could ultimately decide the title. Um, where, where the sides to finish level on points, sporting with, uh, with the with the league title and head-to-head -head results. So that result could yet rear its ugly head from Benfica's perspective. But after that, Benfica was sort of written off by everyone, and I think that definitely helped. Played down the expectations it gave Rivitori, despite the speculation over his job, it gave him the chance just to get on with it and, and allow Benfica to put together some, some results, which they've done in, in fine style. The, the run is absolutely remarkable. Um, that said, since then, you do feel that falling so far behind, it was eight points very early on in the season. Having now got the lead, you feel that 
so early on they've dropped so many points that it's almost a case of they gave themselves no way to go, no more margin for error. And we've, we've seen that as well with, with Sporting's run of, of victories in recent times. Benfica have won 10 in a row, and you'd think, okay, well, their gap might, the lead might increase, but it's not been the case with the Sporting have, have won seven on the trot themselves. Yeah, yeah, it's really quite amazing, hasn't it? It's just uh, win after win after win. You kind of get the idea that uh, whoever blinks first, that's uh, could be game over. Uh, so Thiago, uh, whereas Benfica have won five of the last six by one goal, as we were just talking about, Sporting, they've actually only won one of their last six by one goal, and they've been putting in some pretty impressive performances and scoring plenty uh, in their recent games. Uh, this brings me on to my first question for you. Uh, George Jesus is never afraid to blow his own trumpet, of course, and he's insisted several times that Sporting are the best team in Portugal this year. Uh, but if you look at the table, Benfica are top, and uh, as the saying goes, the table doesn't lie. Uh, or does it? What do you think, uh, Tiago? Is JJ wrong on this one? Well, I definitely think that Sporting's in a little bit of a better form than Benfica at the moment. Sporting's playing really well. They're both getting wins, but Benfica's getting wins a little bit more uh, with a lower margin and late goals and stuff. But I think playing-wise, yeah, I think Sporting's playing a lot better, but that ultimately that doesn't win you titles. And this Benfica form, as Pat was saying... Pat was mentioning that it should be the exception and not the rule, but at the same time, I also feel like it's somewhat normal for you to have this this rough patch of the season. And Sporting started really well, but around January, February maybe, they had this really rough patch where they only won matches by a one or two goal margin, and they were, there was a lot of pressure on them. And that's the that's the patch of the season where Benfica started to pick up steam. Now the opposite is happening, and since ever since Benfica started feeling the pressure a little bit more and started conceding early, I don't know. I feel like the table does not lie, and being the best team in the country does not give you every more points does. But yeah, definitely the, the especially the matches against the the top competitors, Porto, Benfica, and Braga. Though those points points really, really well, but losing points against lesser lesser opponents, if the table keeps on going like this, they gave Benfica the title, and if so, they're the best in the country. Yeah, yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it? They all people often say in Portugal that the title is decided by the matches between the big clubs, the big rivals, you know, Sporting, the big yeah. three, Sporting, Benfica, and Porto, and Sporting this season. Of course, they've won three of their four matches. They did a double over over Porto. And uh, as uh, Patrick just mentioned earlier, had that very impressive win at Benfica, but then lost at the Estadio de Luz. But uh, it could actually, this, this could actually kind of disprove that theory, couldn't it, this season? If Benfica stay top, sporting despite having this terrific record against their main rivals, uh, you'd have to say they lost it against the smaller teams. Do you think that would be fair? I do, yeah. I think um, if you just look at it, they've drawn five games. 
uh, three of which have been at home. Rio Ave, Tondela, Passos de Ferreira, and they've drawn a Boavista in Vitorio de Guimarães. So it must be so frustrating. Jesus would never admit it, but deep down he must know that having taken nine points from the, from 12 available against the big rivals, they've dropped 10 in, in fixtures, which on, on paper are very winnable and, and they should be taking maximum points. Whereas Benfica have just been very, very consistent against the smaller sides. Uh, they've lost to, uh, to Porto twice, uh, they've lost to Sporting once, and then they've lost to, uh, to Aroca. And, that, and that's it. And then the only other points they've dropped was, um, was that draw in, uh, in Madeira. So I think that has been the difference. And if Benfica can close out these last two victories, the title will have been lost by sporting on those on those five specific games. I would suggest. Whereas, uh, if it goes the other way, you can you can look at the results against the uh, against the other two big sides, and you can really pinpoint the importance of that three 0 win at the Stade de Luz, uh way back at, in October, which was uh, which was huge psychologically as well. I didn't expect Benfica to recover from that. The fact that they have is, uh, has been has been fantastic for the title race, especially with such a with such a poor uh, Porto side this season. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's been. I think most people in Portugal agree this has been one of the most thrilling title races in uh, in years. Of course, we had a, a couple of years ago. We also had that amazing uh, finish between Porto and Benfica, but. Uh, this is certainly the, the closest I've, I've ever seen it between the two Lisbon rivals. And so, uh, Pat, you've just mentioned there that, uh, you know, going through the results, Benfica really have had a, an incredible run in the Liga since losing to Sporting. They've, uh, in 25 Liga games, they've won 23, drawn one and lost one. That's absolutely an incredible record. And, of course, they did it alongside a mighty impressive Champions League campaign as well. Uh, who or what would you identify as the main factors behind the success? Well, if you just go on the team sheet alone, the uh, <laughs> the upturn in form coincides very handily with uh, the man of the moment, uh, Renato Sanchez, who's, uh, <laughs> who came into the side around that around that time and uh, and and really hasn't been dislodged ever since. So there's um, there's definitely something in that. There was an upturn in form from Pizzi as well, who started to produce more, though his form has waned a bit recently. And just uh, consistent goals from the front three. They can uh, always rely on Sharnas, but Mitroglu has played his part, and they know that if those two have a, an off night or it's not happening for them, they can bring uh, Raul Jimenez off the bench as a, ha- a happy knack of, of scoring goals. Combine that with the uh, the revelation that's been Victor Lindelof, and it's all made for uh, for a terrific combination. Really, Benfica have had a settled defence, which came about rather through uh, circumstance than than design. I think uh, accent rather than design for Rui Vitória with Luizão's injury, and then uh, Lisandro Lopez also was injured. I don't think anyone would have suggested at the start of the season that Jardel and Lindelof would be the, the starting pairing, but they've been fantastic. And then uh, in recent weeks, Edison coming in for uh, for Julio Cesar, making his uh, making his debut, full debut against uh, in the league anyway, against uh, Sporting away that huge game with, uh, with Julio Cesar going out of the side as a as a, as a last minute uh, injury concern. I think all of that has it's just shown really the, the squad depth that Benfica have that people didn't necessarily uh, notice or, or bank on. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. I think that's also a very good point you make also about the, the you know, the, the goal scorers. I think maybe that's one area where Sporting have, uh, maybe you can criticise them a bit this season. They're very reliant on Slimani. You know, he's had an absolutely brilliant season. But uh, if he doesn't score, then, uh, the, you know, the rest of the side, you have a look at the stats. Uh, there's no really regular goal scorer, Tio Gutierrez. Uh, it's not been bad. His his form has improved a little bit, but uh, can't really compare him to the impact made by uh, Mitrogru, for example. Uh, Tiago, I'll, I'll ask you the same question. Uh, Sporting's win at Porto last week meant they set a new record in terms of points, and there's still two games left. So yeah, you know, really looking at it, they've also had a fantastic season. Uh, who have been their main men, in your opinion? Well. People who know me are getting somewhat tired of me mentioning Joe Mario every five minutes, but I have to mention him because he's having a fantastic season. Clearly, for me, the best midfielder in the country. He's going to have a great Euro competition, I hope, and he's just been doing great. Goals, assists, he creates play, he the opponent, he's great. And not only him, but the rest of the midfield has been really, really important. I think that Adrian is really consistent. He has been having a really, really good season. Uh, William has been picking up steam as of late. He had a bit of a bit of a eh, start to the season, but he, he has been improving. He's now challenging Daniel for that spot in the national team. And Brian Fleet could be a really important player to begin. He has been consistently keep on playing for Sporting because he doesn't have a lot of clubs interested in him so he was a really really good buy for Sporting a bit like Jonas for Benfica uh, in terms of their their age and their quality and then obviously Slimani was having a really really good season keeps on scoring and I would also mention the entire defense I don't think in, my, in Sporting's defense is clearly Worse than Mexico's defense, and there has been having a lot. There you have been having a lot of changes throughout the season. There was a lot of central back partnerships, a lot of different ones, several right backs and left backs that played and stopped playing and then came back again. And despite that, Sporting has had a really, really good defense. I I would assume that with so many changes, it's such a crucial part of the field. I would assume that Sporting would have been more, but they are no. I mean, crazy Jesus right there. It's funny, isn't it? Because he's known for the way he sets up his teams from an attacking point of view. It's always uh, has very attacking teams. But uh, like you said, they've actually defended very well as a team this season. Uh, I think since Christmas, they've completely changed their defence. Haven't they? The, yeah. the, the, With Zibar, yeah. and Coates coming in, and yeah. then Anu and Ruben Smith as well. Yeah. So the four, the four defensive players that are now starting for Sporting, they all. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, both uh, all came in in January. Yeah. We'll come back to the title race in a while, but just to put it aside for one minute, I'd like both your opinions on some of the transfer rumours which are flying around. 
Uh, not a day goes by without news that Renato Sanchez is about to be sold to Manchester United for a whopping 80 million euros, according to most of the Portuguese press. Uh, Patrick, I've got a twofold question for you. Uh, can he thrive in the Premier League? And uh, is he worth that much? I think he can be a success in the Premier League. I don't know if he'll, he would be a success in the Premier League uh, straight away. Um, this is a guy who won't turn 19 until until the middle of August. It's, it's quite astonishing the rise that he's had. I think he has everything in his game to, boot, to be a success in the Premier League. He can do both phases. He's very good defensively. He's good uh, going forward as well. When he receives the ball, he always looks to play forward, which is not necessarily something you can say about all modern midfield players, particularly uh, young English players. And uh, he's strong in the tackle. He's got unbelievable strength when he protects the ball. I do occasionally feel that he's, um, the referees can be a bit lenient on him in Portugal, perhaps just because of his age, or I, or I don't know, or his reputation. So I wonder whether he might be called for a few more fouls and pick up a few more cautions elsewhere. But I think on paper, and, and given the potential we've seen, I think it could be a success. Whether it's too soon, I think... Personally, I'd prefer him to spend another two seasons in Portugal, rack up another 100 games for Benfica, play consistently in the Champions League, compete for, for silverware there, and then go to England when he's 20 going on 21. I think that would be a much better move. As for the fee, where you have to look at the market rates, and I think the valuation is correct based on market rates because you pay for potential these days as opposed to what someone has achieved. Uh, so he has potentially... 10 to 15 years ahead of him at the top level which if you uh, if you divide that sum over over that period of time he would be an absolute bargain it's also 40 million euros up front with 40 million in, in, in add-ons so those would only be performance related in terms of whether the, the side won the Champions League and things like that it's, it's similar structure to the to the uh, Martial deal that they got from, uh, from Monaco last last summer so I think the fee is correct I don't know if uh, for Benfica it would make sense to sell him for that now because you never know with young players he might might have been a one season wonder I don't think that's the case but uh, from uh, from a footballing perspective for the players development I would prefer to see him spend another two seasons in Portugal continue to be a regular for Benfica continue to challenge for titles go to the World Cup in Russia in, in 2018 as a starter in that Portuguese midfield by the way still at the age of 20 and then make his move I don't see any rush to do it now but of course uh, a lot of people have vested interest in it and I'm sure there's going to be um, some agents who are, who are keen to move him along and, uh, and, and get the money in so that's yeah that's my take on it yeah, yeah I think we've discussed it several times uh, it's kind of uh, a lot of these young players in the Portuguese league who really come to the fore at a very young age. It seems to make sense for them, certainly from a career-wise, to, to stay in Portugal a bit longer. But uh, money talks, and so let's see what happens there. Uh, Tiago, uh, sporting star players have also been linked with lucrative moves abroad, especially midfielder João Mario, who you were just talking about, and uh, striker Islam Slimani. Uh, my question is, if Sporting are forced to sell uh, one or both of those two players, or maybe William Carvalho, also he's always linked to the move abroad, uh, can the Lions keep up their level of competitiveness next season? Uh, we have to remember, of course, it's 15 years since they won the title. You know, so if they don't win it this year, uh, you know, there's, the pressure will really start mounting on, on the president, Bruno yeah. Carvalho. Uh, 
do you think those two players, it's, it's absolutely crucial for Sporting to, to keep hold of them? Or even if they sell one or both of them, can George Jesus uh, work some magic and make Sporting as strong as they are this year? Well, I think, I think JJ will find a way to, to keep the team competitive and have a challenge for the title again. Sporting already has a... Another striker lined up. I think Sporting already bought Lucas Palvi from Denmark, a Lithuanian striker that's coming from Denmark. He's a tall, good other striker. Won't find anyone that can replace them that well, especially for Mario. But we'll see. I think I think Slee Money might leave. I think this is the year where Slee Money goes because he's. His age is not like he's not getting younger, and you need to make money. So if there's a year for Sporting to make money on Slimani, I think it's this year. So I think Slimani is going. I believe that the club wants to keep Jomar. I know they want to keep him. I know you talked to him. You interviewed him. So I think he said. I think he mentioned that he was just focused on Sporting, as obvious as that is. But I. I I have a little bit of hope that he'll stay just because he's one of the best players in the Portuguese league. But if not, I know he'll drive away from the country already. A bit unlike not like like Fat is saying. I think Fnat should stay a little bit a little bit more, one or two more years for his development to continue. But I think that Jomari is more than ready to go since completely different age. And completely different players, but I think that if they go, Sporting will make a pretty FTP and we'll see what they bring. Uh, yeah, well, you're right. When when I spoke to him, uh, one thing which really came across to me, and uh, which I've also had this impression of him from seeing him on in other interviews, is he just seems really very calm and level-headed. We talk about the need for these players or maybe the the advantages from these players in terms of their career to stay in Portugal a little bit longer before moving to a high-profile league. But, of course, that's much easier uh, said than done. It must be you know, a really big temptation when they see uh, the, the amount of wages that they can earn abroad. I think when Nani moved from Sporting to Manchester United, I read that his uh, wages went, were increased 17 times, 17-fold. So, <laughs> you know, when you think about that, it must be quite difficult for these players to, to resist. Okay, uh, finally, fellas, uh, let's go for the $64 million question. Who's going to lift that crown? Sporting are at home to Vitoria de Stubel this Saturday, and we'll look to put pressure on Benfica, who travel to Madeira to face Mar- uh, Maritimo on Sunday. So, of course, if Sporting manage to, uh, to beat Vitoria Stubel, who've been in terrible form uh, the last few weeks, uh, they will actually uh, go top at least for 24 hours, so there'll be real pressure on Benfica. Uh, you get the feeling if there is going to be a twist in the tail in this thrilling championship race, it has to be this weekend. Tiago, what do you see happening? Well, I'll tell you, I don't see Sporting losing points. I can't see Sporting losing points at all. They're in great form. I think they're going to win at home versus Stuwell. And if the title race is on, I think they can win at Braga without any issues. Now, with all that said, that doesn't give you any information because Benfica is still top. So, 
It all kind of depends on the Madeira teams who are facing Benfica in the last two days of the season. So, I think this weekend, as you said, this weekend is the week to win away. I think they can win at home the last game of the season. If they, if they get shaky again, a rough start away versus Maritimo can be detrimental. And Porto has faced that. A lot of times throughout this year, Porto has been losing in Madeira. But we'll see what happens. But if they if they don't get all the points this weekend, they I think they can forget it because Sporting is not dropping points, I believe. Okay. And how about you, Pat? Uh, what do you think? Do you think Benfica are going to get over the line? Um, having <laughs> having gone to to Madeira myself uh, at the start of March, I have to say it's some the travel alone is right. <laughs> It's rather uh, it's rather tricky. We uh, those familiar with Portuguese football know that there's often fog uh, that a lot tends, of fog. that tends mm-hmm. to have the games either postponed or cancelled or rearranged or whatever. So that that is a concern. Um, Benfica have only lost once at Maritimo uh, in the league away since uh, since 2002. So that is uh, that's definitely in their favour, but that was in uh, August 2013. So historically, you would say Benfica should win the game. They have to win the game. They've had some big wins there as well as a, a, a 5-0 in 2010, a 6-0 in 2008. But um, I am a bit concerned, I have to say. Uh, you cannot... Uh, overestimate how important it is to play first at this stage of the season. Not only does Sporting play first, they play at home. So you think they're going to go and win that game. Then suddenly they go top. And I know you can talk about games and hand all you want, but then Benfica have to win to reclaim top spot, and that becomes a bit more difficult. And any dropping points at this stage of the season will prove critical. I do feel one of the sides is going to drop points. I feel it could be Benfica this weekend. I think if Benfica win this weekend, I think the title race will, will be over very soon on the final day. I think Benfica will score early uh, in that game uh, against uh, Nacional. And I think that Benfica Sporting won't win in Braga as a result. Almost, you know, that message filtering down to the players. So I do feel that one of the sides is going to drop points, whether it comes this weekend with Benfica or, or the final week with uh, with Sporting. I'm not sure, but I have to say this is the one that I looked at on the fixture list. And because it's, because it's Madeira and because of the travel involved, uh, as someone who, who, who works for Benfica, I'm, I'm definitely concerned by this. I'm going to go with my heart over my head and say Benfica will win uh, by a single goal and will take the league title. But there's definitely a niggling doubt there as to as to whether they're going to win this game this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm sure uh, sporting fans, of course, they were on tenter hooks looking at Benfica's game at Boa Vista thinking that was the time that they were going to go top and then it happened at Academica and then it happened at Rio Ave <laughs> and then it happened when Benfica were at home to Stubel and even Guimarães uh, where they weren't, didn't put in you know, so impressive performances but every time they've just come through uh, I'm not sure who's going to win it but the only thing I can say is if Benfica do win these last two games uh, you know, 12 games, 12 straight wins at the end of the season. I think you have to say, however well uh, Sporting have played this season and have played really well, that uh, Benfica will be worthy champions. Well, anyway, we'll be keeping track of that, of course, uh, here at Portugal. Uh, don't forget, for all your Portuguese football needs, uh, go to the site www. 
portugal.net that's p-o-r-t-u-g-o-a-l dot net Uh, thank you very much for listening and thank you very much Patrick for coming on pleasure and thank you Tiago as usual thank you and we'll uh, speak again in a couple of weeks até lá